Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here as we've gathered to worship you. We thank you we can come and adore you and worship you as the one who came and lived among us that we might one day live in your very presence. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to us through your word and through your spirit as we gather here and as we praise your name, for it is in Christ's name we pray, amen. If you'd remain standing, we'll read God's word from Joshua chapter 1, Joshua chapter 1 and verses 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. And I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, and all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you with all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will also be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. morning. I'm excited. Are you guys excited? Are you excited to worship the Lord this morning? I got to say, if you weren't moved during some of that music or during communion, it might be time to take a look. Because I don't know about you, but I was moved. And that's exciting. So I wanted to talk this morning. I need to kind of let you in on a little bit of something I... I wanted to know what would be the best candidating sermon, right? Because that's, so what do I, I do what all the young kids do. I want to be cool like all the kids, so I Google it like everybody else, right? Duh, that's what you do. So I Googled best candidating sermons, and I thought, they're going to give me this chunk of scripture, and it's going to be awesome, and I have, oh, it's going to be perfect, you know? It'll help me understand what exactly what I'm supposed to say and how I'm going to say. So I Googled. I did use Google. It was good. So here's what I found out, just to let you guys know. I read a nice, big, long article, a bunch of pages, wasted about 10 minutes of my life. (laughs) To get to the end where it said, preach your best average sermon. (laughs) True story. Preach your best average sermon. Now, this, this will, some of you guys will really laugh at this. Guess who wrote the article? Dave Waldo. No. 
Scott Gibson. If you don't know Scott, Scott was an intern here years ago. He's actually a preaching professor, uh, Gordon Cromwell, I think. And anyway, he did Pastor Paul's uh, funerals. I met him a couple years ago when he did the funeral. Anyway, so, so there's a tie to that. I, I had to laugh. So then I have to tell you what happened this morning. So I thought, that's a great way to, to get started for a sermon. But in my own infinite wisdom, at some point in my life, I don't know when, because I'm not really good at keeping track of this, I wrote myself a reminder. Guess what that reminder says? No. <laughs> Close. It says, preach your best sermon ever. So now I got mixed messages. So I don't know where we're headed this morning. Let's, I think we need to head to prayer. Let's start out with prayer. Lord God, we come in front of you this morning and we're excited to hear from you. Lord, we have heard you speak in our hearts already this morning. We have heard you through song, through a chance to sit around the table chance to to see friends and family and Lord to be connected to those we love most of all Lord we get a chance to connect with you this morning I pray that your words would be powerful that you would those words would be spoken the way you would want them spoken and Lord we give you all the honor and the glory amen I want you to think for a moment about a major decision in your life that has altered the direction of it. Something, a decision in your life that altered the direction of your life. Now I want to, this picture, <laughs> that would alter your life. <laughs> I want to share you with you with my moment, one major decision. I think there are these major decisions in your life, and I bet you can count them on one hand, right? You can remember those three or four things in your life that changed the direction of your life. Mine was February 3rd, 1990. 19 years old. I had a date at high noon. Did you have a cowboy hat? I didn't. I spent the morning on my four-wheeler. That's what 19-year-olds do, do they not? And when I got done with that, I was cold, and I can remember sitting on the porch. Now, I didn't ask my parents. I should have called them to ask them. I think we had a dog, because either that or I was talking to somebody that was pretending to be a dog. I don't know. <laughs> but, but I remember sitting on that porch contemplating a major decision in my life. At high noon, I was to be at the church. And I'll be honest, that was a moment in my life where it was like, wow, something real is about to happen. Maybe I was thinking impending doom was coming. I don't know. <laughs> Just kidding, honey. <laughs> It was one of those moments, and I, and, and I can remember, I can still have, I have those feelings. You get those feelings, that anxiety, that, that excitement of something happening. Something is about to change. And you know what? You don't know what it's going to look like. 
try as we may, we don't know exactly what it's going to look like. And I don't know about you, but it makes me feel uncomfortable. Have you ever felt uncomfortable in the position that you are in life? There's anxiety that comes with that. There's moments, those moments are cemented in our minds. I will never forget that feeling of sitting on the ground contemplating marriage. Wondering what the next step would look like. Having no clue where God would take us. And that's where this scripture is this morning. If you don't know this passage, it's Joshua and a big, big, big transition in his life. And that's where we're at this morning, right? Decisions need to be made. Direction needs to be gone. I think that... uh, This transition time for Joshua was a very powerful moment in his life. You see, he was the guy under Moses for a long time, right? And Moses had led the Israelites out into the the desert where they would hang out for 40 years. They got pretty used to hanging out in the desert. Now, we would think, well, it isn't that great to hang out in the desert. But I think they got pretty comfortable with that. And then what happens? Moses dies. And God says, listen, it's time to move. Oh, Joshua, you're next in line. (laughs) Joshua, I have a job for you. I want you to take these Israelites to the promised land. You think you felt a little uncomfortable? I want you to know this morning that maybe you should feel a little uncomfortable about the vote today. Think about this for one moment. You are making a decision on where this church goes for the foreseeable future. It is not a popularity contest. People's souls rest in the balance of the decision that you make it this afternoon. You need to think about that very seriously. That should make you feel slightly uncomfortable. So what does God do for Joshua to make him feel a little bit better? He says, Joshua, be strong and courageous. How many times does he say it? Three times, right? We know that passage because it's powerful to us. We think, if God were to tell me that once, that'd be awesome. But God tells Joshua three times, be strong and courageous. But what's really interesting in this passage is that he tells him, be strong and courageous, and then he tells him a little piece at the end that he's talking about an area in, his, in Joshua's life and what's going to happen. And that's what I want to look at this morning. The first one is that Joshua is promised victory. He says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to your ancestors to give to them. The victory is already won at that moment. God has already promised Joshua victory as he takes the people into the land. Do you think maybe Joshua had second thoughts about what was going to happen when he got into the land? Do you remember that in Numbers 13 and 14, Joshua was one of the spies 
right? But he wasn't in charge of anything. He was one of the spies to bring back the report. And they said he went into the, to the uh-oh, that's a bad sign. There we go. Okay. Maybe I did that. He went into the promised land, and what did he see? Fertile ground. They had, it says they had grapes so big that one bunch had to be carried by two men on a stick. They had pomegranates. They had everything they could ever want in the promised land. But it also had fortified cities. It also had giants. Mind you, fortified cities are really hard to take down when you're just wanderers. In the and so I wonder if he didn't have some concerns about taking the people into the promised land. Not to mention what happens at the end of Deuteronomy when Moses dies. God says, there has not been a guy even close to Moses. Talk about stepping into those shoes. Ain't nobody been nearly as good as Moses leading my people. Big shoes to fill, for sure. So what did Joshua need to hear? He needed to hear that there was victory, and there would be victory when he took God's people to the promised land. I think it's really cool in verse 4. He talks about the actual territory. He says, I'm going to give you all this and this. And I was going to show you a map, but then I thought, if you haven't been there, you wouldn't really know what the map looks like anyway, right? So I just think it's really cool that God just spells it out for Joshua. He says, here are the spots. I'm going to give you all this. And I'm assuming that Joshua had been there, you know, and had seen some of those things. I think it's powerful to walk in to our life knowing that we have victory. See, I think sometimes we forget that maybe our victory doesn't look like winning a game or winning this or that or having enough money, but our victory is in Christ. Right? That's our hope. At the end of the day, I tell people, we still have to go through life just like everybody else. A Christian's, the difference in a Christian is that there's a hope that this is not all there is. This is not all there is. There is more to this life than today. The second thing he tells Joshua in verses 7 and 8, he says, Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from the left or the right so that it may be successful wherever you go. Do you realize that God had a plan? Victory was already won. God had a plan for the direction that Joshua was going to go. And how it was all going to go down. Some of us like blueprints, right? If you're, if you're mechanically inclined, you like blueprints because you like to have the details. You like to have all the pieces, parts right there in front of you. And a blueprint without numbers, without uh, any of the dimensions, is not much of a blueprint. It's a lot harder to use. It's kind of like a road map with no roads, right? God says, listen, I got this all figured out, but you're going to have to trust me. See, we don't like that feeling of stepping over the edge, of not knowing what the next step will be. 
of not knowing for sure where something leads. That's hard, and I get it. It's hard for me too. But God tells Joshua to be obedient. If you obey me, you will be successful. James uh, 2.17 says, um, faith by itself, is, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. We need to have action in our life. We need to take that step forward. I think, uh, I think a lot about when I was a kid and the power would go out. And you know when you're in a house and it's a two-story house and the power would go out and you'd be like, ah! And your mom would be downstairs, right? She'd be like, it's okay, son! Because back then we didn't have a million flashlights and we used, I can rem- I'm old because I can remember candles, right? We would light a couple candles, but it's at that moment when it's pitch black and we don't know where we're going to go and how, how am I going to ever get down the steps without breaking my neck? Right? And isn't that how our life, the Christian walk is? We don't want to ever take that step we can't see. We struggle with that. I, I love this verse in uh, Psalm 119. It says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I always thought, why would you put a lamp on your feet? But that's not what it says. <laughs> I always thought, It would be pretty hard to walk with lamps on your feet, right? But it's not a lamp on your feet. It's a lamp for your feet so you can see the path. And that's how God works in our lives. He puts this path in front of us. He shows us where to walk. And he tells Joshua, don't turn to the left or the right. Dan Schumach was telling me about a walk he did this past summer. And I can't remember what he called it, the window or some crazy thing. You can ask him. It's insane. Um, He said it was three feet wide, and on both sides was thousands of feet, and it's called this window. And he said, not only is that, I'm already freaking out when he's telling me. I'm like, I don't like heights, so I'm like, and then he says, yeah, and the wind was really blowing through there. (laughs) And you did this, why? I told him, I said, I'd be the guy that'd be (laughs) worm crawling. I I don't even think I'd get that far. I'd be like, "Mm, yeah, no. (laughs) I don't need this in my life. <laughs> if you want to talk to Dan, he has some, I saw the pictures of it. It was insane. Insane. But boy, isn't that where God wants us to be? Trusting in him that he has a plan for our life. That's where he wants us to be. And that's where he wants Joshua. That's what he talked to him about. That's why he says, be courageous and strong. We're about to have an accident here. Let get the pages turned. There we go. Finally, he tells Joshua, you know what? There are going to be challenges. There are going to be challenges in your life, and that's normal. He says, have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Which means that there would be things in Joshua's path as they move forward, that would discourage him. There would be problems. Maybe one of the biggest misconceptions of the Christian faith is that there won't be problems. Good luck. If you're breathing, there are problems. I don't know if you know what that is. That's, that's a gold nugget. Anybody have one of those around their neck this morning? 
You know how they make it look like this, don't you? Fire. Melt that baby down. Take the impurities out. Otherwise, it looks like that. See, we think that our whole life should look like that, and we don't really like it when it looks like that. Amen? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the reality. We want everything to look like that, especially. That, not so much. It, like it does look like that a lot. Exactly. That's my point. There will be challenges in the world we live in. I want to tell you about a challenge. We've, you know, you heard about Teens Alive, and uh, Dan asked for prayer this morning, and it's been an undertaking. If you don't know what it is, we're, we, there's a re, it's called release time law, and there's, there's a, legally we're allowed to take kids out of high, out of high school uh, for 36 hours a year, and those kids can come for spiritual training. Training is what the law says. Um, anyway, so we started that in September with one kid. <laughs> And I'll be honest with you, that was hard with one kid. But then we, we moved to four times. We, went, we got four in October. October, But the bus forgot to, came, to come that day. <laughs> so we had to work that out. Last Wednesday, I, I apologized to the group of volunteers when I said, I'm sorry, but I needed a sermon illustration. We tried so hard last Wednesday, Wednesday, last Wednesday we got up, and I don't know about you, but winter happened. And the kids went to school, and so we kept going forward. All the volunteers were here, we got a bus, I call the bus garage, the roads are, are nasty, but they're willing to do it. We keep moving forward, we keep moving forward, we keep moving forward and running into another Roadblock, another roadblock, another roadblock. The school's like, listen, we can't stop you, but we'd really appreciate it if we're, we're a little concerned about kids being out. I get it, right? They, were, they meant well with it. And so at the end of the day, we get to 10.30 in the morning, and we're, we have a bus. The bus shows up, and we cancel. And now we don't have one until January. And if I were to look from the outside, I would say, this thing is doomed to fail. Except that life is full of challenges. And these challenges aren't anything that aren't, wouldn't be ordinary in any day in, in life that we live, right? We get a flat tire and we're like, oh God, you cursed me, right? No, someone threw a nail in the road and you ran over it, period, Right? I, I, we're really good at blaming God when things don't go well. We're really thankful when they do go well, aren't they? Life is full of challenges, and they're going to be challenges, and they're normal. John sixteen thirty three reminds me that this world will have trouble. But Jesus says, take heart, I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. I don't know if you know what happens once they make it across the river. God said, hey, pick 12 people, one from each tribe. Send them back in there and pick a rock out of the middle of the, uh, the river before it closes up. And I want you to build me a nice little memorial. Not for me, God says, but for you. To remind you of the day that you crossed the Jordan. 
to remind you and the next generation and the next generation and the next generation to remind them what had happened that day and how God had delivered them into the promised land. Today could be your day to make that memorial in your own heart. If you don't know who this Jesus is, if you don't have a relationship, maybe you've heard of him. Maybe you said, ah, he sounds like a good guy. Does some nice things, moral guy. He obviously directs people to do the right thing sometimes, but they don't always do it. It's not a good and bad. The fact of the matter is we're bad. <laughs> That's, that is a given. We are bad in our own nature. We need Jesus. And I want to remind you this morning that you have the opportunity to ask Jesus into your heart, into your life, to change those spots where you're broken and to work in those areas that you're hurt and wounded. He came with a plan. He was victorious and continues to be. And he works through those challenges. Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you this morning for your, an opportunity to gather together. Lord, I am so thankful for the blood of Jesus that covers all my issues. Lord, I pray for this morning for anyone here who has not made you the king of their life. Lord, sometimes we hang on to pride, believing that somehow we are good enough or we can figure it out. And your scripture reminds us that we're all going to fall short of that. A fool says in his heart there is no God. Lord, I pray for the, each and every person here this morning whose relationship maybe isn't where they want it to be or there is no relationship. I pray that you direct their past, Lord, to understand who you are that they would feel and experience that love that you have for each and every one of us. In your name we pray. Amen.